Welcome to the New Braunfels OPC Sermon Archive. New Braunfels OPC is a mission work of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and desires to proclaim the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ to New Braunfels and the surrounding communities. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Carl Miller. Let's listen in. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Our text this morning is going to be verses 17b through 19. But I'll begin reading in verse 14 and go through 21 for context. Let's go before the Lord once again in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, you have given us your word, such a wonderful gift. It is indeed a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and we are thankful for your light. We are thankful for Christ, who is the light of the world. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would open our eyes and our understanding to see your truth, to see Jesus and his love and his work for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. This is the Holy Word of God written for you and for me today. Please give it your careful attention as it is read. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thus far the reading of his word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Well, people of God, Paul sought to be a faithful apostle. Did he not? He sought to be faithful to his master's call. His desire was to be faithfully obedient to Jesus Christ, to proclaim him well, to love Christ and love his people well, to teach his people, to encourage them, to warn and correct them when needed, to guard and protect them. And indeed, by God's grace, He did. The saints in Ephesus, along with the other churches, were greatly blessed and edified by Paul's ministry, even as we are today. 
as God used him in wonderful ways. And many of the moments where that love and care is quite evident is when we see Paul praying for the people. Prayer was an active part of Paul's life, as well as his ministry. Paul prayed with thanksgiving. He also brought his petitions before God for God's people, and he did so before the throne of grace, desiring God's blessing and work to grow and mature them in faith and life. This was true for Paul in chapter 3, verse 14, as he bowed his knees to God in prayer for the Ephesians. He took a very reverent and humble posture, a posture that was evident and used especially in times of urgency. He took that posture towards his Lord in prayer. And in his first petition, Paul prayed that God would give his people strength that he would give his people strength. He desired, his desire wasn't just for a little strength, just enough to patch them up and to hobble them along. No, Paul's desire was that such strength would be granted according to the riches of God's glory. Paul desired that God would lavishly give of his well of resources and grace that never run, runs dry. From his storehouses that will never go empty. And what kind of strength did Paul pray for? He arguably prayed for the best and most desirable strength, that being the strengthening of our souls through the Spirit. It's true that God uses His power through His Spirit to be of tremendous benefit and aid to us as He strengthens our souls, our minds, our faith, to help us deal with and guard against discouragement, among other things. And as we further understand what it means to be strengthened with might, with power, through the Holy Spirit, Paul said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now remember that faith is a warm embrace of Christ, by which he dwells in us, by which he abides in us. God has made his home with us. God's strength is Christ in us through faith. And this leads us to see more about what the result of this strength is. Really, the knowledge of God's love is the goal of our strength that he is working in us. The knowledge of God's love is the goal of our strength that he is working in us. And we'll consider this as we look at our being safe in love in verse 17b, as well as our knowing Christ's love in verse 18, and finally being filled with God's fullness in verse 19. So let's look first at verse 17b on our being safe in love, where he says, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now think of this afresh today, beloved. God's love roots and grounds you. God's love roots and grounds you. We've seen this same love throughout Ephesians, have we not? It's the love of God that 
predestined and redeemed you. It's the love of God that he gives his people and even that then we love him in return with and we love his people with. Now this word rooted, it literally means to fix firmly, to cause to take root. So Paul uses this word only in one other place in the New Testament and that being Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 where he encouraged the saints in Colossae to walk in Christ, quote, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Hear those root words, rooted, built up, established. They had been taught these things. But Paul reminds, he points, he encourages, he instructs again, that they too would be rooted and abounding in this love, that they would be rooted and built up in faith. Paul uses this plant metaphor to describe our strengthening, of which love is an important part of. The picture he paints is that we are completely safe and secure as we are rooted in God's love in a firm way that is like a plant that has been a well-established plant and has a well-established root system. And when such roots spread out in the soil, it makes it quite difficult to take the plant out of the ground. And Paul said it was the goal. It was his prayer. It was his desire that we would be strong and stable in God's love which is also evident in our love for the brethren. But secondly, he not only said rooted, but he also said and grounded. And being grounded literally means to lay a foundation. This word should point us back to what Paul said about the church being built on the firm foundation of the apostles and the prophets, even on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And this is the same message that Paul is putting forth here in verse 17. And so in these two words, rooted and grounded, Paul gives a botany and architecture picture of the fertile and firm soil of God's love. And it's a love that we are secure in as God strengthens our souls. With his love firmly fixed in our hearts and minds, We are like well-founded buildings and deeply planted trees. Nothing will be able to shake us. Consider also Paul's words to Colossae in Colossians 1, 21 through 23. He said there, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, notice the similarities between Colossae and what he said to the Ephesians prior, Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And note verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
Now, my friends, many of you may be well familiar with the struggle of the saints in Ephesus as discouragement and anxiety and depression and the like can easily cause us to be unsettled, uncertain, to feel like we are shifting and moving. There may be circumstances in our lives that happen, things to happen that happen to other people that we care for, that we look up to, that we're concerned about, that we love, even as the relationship was true of the church in Ephesus and Paul and him being in chains and him encouraging them, if you remember at the end of chapter 2, don't be discouraged by these things. God is sovereign. God is in control. My ministry goes forth. It's going forth in power. The gospel is being proclaimed. And yet, we struggle with these things. What's happening? Why? How am I to interpret these things? Feels like things are shifting and moving. It's outside of my control for sure. It's not outside of God's. But all three of these, discouragement, anxiety, and depression, they, un- they unsettle us by raising doubts about our current place and situation. They raise a lot of questions and thoughts in our minds that are sometimes hard to work through and, and keep a godly and biblical perspective on. And as those continue to uh, uh, churn in our minds and in our hearts, they tend to take us down to dark places or to ramp us up in worry. Yet remember, beloved, Remember and rejoice in the strengthening work of your God through might, through power, through the Spirit in you. Christ dwelling in us by faith and our being grounded and rooted in his love gives us confidence that he uses and helps raise us out of the depths and calm the crashing and sometimes thrashing waves in our minds and in our lives. Hear these words from Peter regarding God's work of strengthening and settling us in 1 Peter 5, verse 10 and 11. He says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let those words sink into your hearts today. The settling work, the strengthening work, the establishing work of our God. Notice a wonderful thing in all of these passages that we are the recipients of these actions. We are the recipients of these actions. These actions are done to us. We don't root ourselves. We don't ground ourselves. It's God who does all of these things in love, in Christ. And so Paul prayed, God's people would have strength. That he would strengthen them in the inner man. 
and their very souls from the innermost part of their being. And if we are strengthened in the innermost part of our being, beloved, we can't but stand. (laughs) We can't but stand in Christ. It doesn't matter what's thrashing around us. It doesn't matter what's thrashing in here. For we are firmly rooted and grounded in Christ and his love. And so he prayed that we would have strength. But he went on to tell us the specific purpose of that. There's a reason for that. There's a purpose for it, beloved. And notice what he says in verse 18, that we would know Christ's love, that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which which passes knowledge. My friends, God's strengthening has the purpose of giving us the ability to comprehend. Now, comprehending literally means to lay hold of or to seize. Paul's prayer was that God would bless us with the ability to lay hold of with our minds, to perceive it, to understand it, to comprehend. And notice that Paul's prayer isn't just for individual benefit. Absolutely it is. But he rather specifically speaks to the corporate benefit as well. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. A comprehension that is is common amongst the body of Christ. A comprehension that in many, many ways unites us in Christ. And so what is it that we are to comprehend? We are to comprehend, and this is the purpose. But what is it that we are to comprehend? He says, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height? And then Paul stops for a second. He doesn't give us the object of that comprehension at the end of that sentence. But notice these measuring words for a moment, width and length, and depth, and height. This is spatial language here that exalts the exceeding greatness of Christ's inexhaustible and self-sacrificial love. Remember what Job said in Job 11, 7 through 9. He said, can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Beloved, we can't measure the love of Christ. Christ's love is boundless. It has no end. And that's the point. That's the point that Paul is driving home to the saints in Ephesus. This is the object of our comprehension. 
This is what we are to know. The love of Christ which passes knowledge. Think about this. Paul's prayer is that we would come to know Christ's love, but it surpasses knowledge. And so note the irony there. He prayed that we would know something that we can't fully know and is beyond our understanding. So how are we to understand this? Through God's blessing and strengthening, we grow more and more in an intimate, deeper knowledge of his immeasurable and enormous love. Indeed, as the Ephesians needed to grow in their knowledge of Christ's love, we too need to be lifelong students of the love of Christ. We are students of the great teacher who is pleased to give us such glorious knowledge. It isn't that we desire it and he withholds. He's saying through Paul, this is the purpose. This is what you are to know. And he reveals that love to us in Christ. And we talk about this a lot, but we'll say it again because it is the most glorious picture of the evidence of that love. Is what Christ has done for us in setting aside his glory, the very Son of God coming down to earth and humiliating himself, taking on the form of man. Being 100% God and 100% man and living a sinless life, a perfect life, a righteous life for us. Going to Calvary's cross, being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Suffering on Calvary's cross. Dying for us. Paying for our sins. Rising from the dead victorious. That is love. Beloved. And God wants us to know, and not just know of, but to know the love of Christ. How easy it is for us to forget his love. How easy it is for us to be satisfied with something on the surface. How easy it is for us maybe to hear even the details and the wonderful, glorious truths of the gospel. For that just to bounce off of our noggins and our ears. To not grip us in our hearts. That we see the beauty of our Savior. Or that we see the wonder of his love for us. For he didn't have to do this. Keep this love, keep his love before your eyes and in your hearts. And pray that your knowledge would grow and increase. To know the love of Christ is to become more and more conformed to his image. Do you want to be Christ-like? Pray that God would bless you and grant you this knowledge to know his love intimately. 
And Paul goes on to share his final petition. That not only would we know these things, not only would we be strengthened, but that we would also be filled. It's a wonderful filling. Take a look at verse 19. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, as you hear these words, abundance, boundless, deep, riches of glory and grace that belong to God. These things should come to your mind as you consider the fullness of God. Here we find another and a final passive action. God roots and grounds us in love. He makes us able to comprehend and to know the love of Christ. But thirdly, he fills us. We don't fill ourselves. He doesn't welcome us to a door, to a warehouse, and say, if you go through this door, you will find the fullness of God. Have at it, fill yourself up, and close the door when you leave. No, he doesn't. He fills That's Paul's prayer. And all of these petitions, all of these pieces in his prayer are connected. They build on one another. So when Paul speaks of God's filling, he is speaking of making us full and complete. Paul prays to the only one who can fill us. No one else beside him can. If we are to be filled... Only God can do it. Only God can make us perfect and complete. And so what is Paul referring to when he speaks of the fullness of God? In many ways, what Paul is talking about is God's gifts and graces from his rich and endless storehouses that Paul has woven together here, layer upon layer, piece upon piece in his prayers. God is willing to fill us to the brim, to our uttermost capacity in everything that we need to be complete in Christ as God conforms us to him. Matthew Henry, I think, said it well and is helpful in our understanding when he said, God is willing to fill them all to the utmost of their capacity and that which all those gifts and graces which he sees they need. Those who receive grace for grace from Christ's fullness may be said to be filled with the fullness of God according to their capacity, all which is in order to their arriving at the highest degree of the knowledge and enjoyment of God and an entire conformity to him. You see these wonderful pieces that Paul is putting together, even in these verses and even in the preceding context, right? He talks about God granting us these things. God doing these things in our hearts and in our lives. Knowledge. The knowledge of love. Comprehension. Understanding. That we would know and be grounded in, in Christ's love. 
that we would be filled in this fullness. These are all piecing these things and and filling the tank, so to speak. But Paul doesn't stop there because God doesn't stop there. He takes us to the full. That's what he promises. Full, complete sanctification. Full, complete maturity. Christ will complete that good work that he has begun in us. And when he comes again, when he returns, and when he takes us home, we will be complete. He will make us that. So I'll leave you with this. See the work and grace of God in you, and as well in your brothers and sisters as he strengthens you. Don't miss that today. May Paul's petitions be our petitions. See what God is active in doing and what we are passive in receiving. Are you rooted and grounded in love? If you are unsteady or unstable, make this your petition. Even if you're not, make this your petition. Even now, hear God's promise from his word to root and ground you and know that you are secure and safe as he does so. But truly know the deep, the beautiful, the immeasurable love of Christ as well. Listen now, God is pleased to show and reveal his love to you in Jesus Christ. So see his purpose afresh that you would intimately know it. Again, not surface. Not knowing of it. Not being somewhat familiar with it. But knowing it. Knowing his love. And that you would grow in your knowledge of that love that surpasses knowledge. But finally... Let's pray with Paul that God would fill us with his fullness. That God would grant us his abundant grace and that he would fill us to the top. Bringing that filling to completion that that we would bring, that he would bring us to the highest degree of knowing and enjoying him forever. What is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen? Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope that you are blessed by what you heard today. To listen to more New Braunfels OPC sermons or to find more information about our church, please visit our website at www.nbopc.org.